What's up? How are y'all doing tonight? Good so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who's excited about Mr. Softies? Anyone? Me too. Who's excited about the gamer truck that's about to happen? Yeah. Literally, I played Fortnite like one time, and I got destroyed by like a fourth grader. And it's not, hey, it's not funny. I'm being vulnerable in front of you. Um, I'm still struggling. I'm still dealing with that. And then we got some of the sickest like inflatables uh, that we could find. Like, I'm stoked about it. So we're going to head there right after this. Wait, where are we going? <clears throat> to where that's set up. You'll find out. But before, before we do, I, I just want to share with you a little bit um, from God's word. Uh, but before I do that, uh, I encourage you, if you have a cell phone that you take it out right now, that you'd put it on vibrate, silent, uh, and then you would put it somewhere where it's not a distraction for you, um, <coughs> where it doesn't have to be something that uh, the enemy uses to distract you from what God has for you tonight. Here's what I believe. I believe that God's word is living and active uh, and that it, it pierces through um, the lies that culture wants to tell us or that our world uh, wants to tell us, um, that the enemy wants to implant in your mind and in your heart and that it, it pierces through and delivers truth, truth that gives life and truth that gives hope and peace, truth that brings salvation. And so I, I'm really excited to just kind of close out the series for you. I'm actually sad to close it out because I, I've really enjoyed it. It's, it's been something that's really uh, been refreshing for me of, of just preparing and hearing others speak as well on who Jesus is. Just on, on what God's word says about uh, God's son, Jesus, who, who died and rose again so that we may be free from sin. Just hearing that and seeing that has been so encouraging. And I hope, like for some of y'all over the summer, that, that it's been something uh, that's really been like useful, useful to you. Like there is no point in, in your walk with Christ where coming back to these basic truths of, man, here's who Jesus is. I want, you to, remind, I want to remind you who your Savior is, that it becomes like too much. And, and so I'm just excited to close it out. What you heard in the announcements was that on September 9th, we kick back off our regular uh, harbor schedule. That means middle school, y'all show up at six. High school, you'll show up at seven. And on that day, September 9th, you just need to remember this, we are doing uh, the third annual world's largest milkshake. Yeah, it's awesome. It tastes like a Wendy's Frosty, but it's like 20 gallons. And so it is, it, it, I'm super excited about it. September 9th. Here. What day is that? Sunday. All the details. Um, so just be here for that. Bring somebody that uh, maybe doesn't come to church, maybe needs to know about Jesus. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be kicking off a really cool series that we'll reveal to you between now and then that, that I'm really excited about, been studying for, and, and just excited about what God has for us in that. But tonight, as we finish this series, what is really cool about Jesus and makes him uh, different from, from everything else in the world from every other thing that you could, you could come to, what, what is really cool about Jesus is that there is no prerequisites 
that there is no talents or gifts you must have, that there is no um, things you must have completed, that, that, that there is nothing that you have to check off to come into the presence of Jesus. That that is unlike anything else. And over the series, just to catch you up, if you hadn't been here, this may be your first night here. Uh, I forgot to tell you, my name's Caleb. I'm the student pastor here, and, and I just get to do this, which is cool. Um, we've, we've been talking about that Jesus is, in fact, our foundation and the author of life and the gate to eternity. And, and tonight, we're going we're gonna to kind of continue, continue in, in that. Because to access all those things... Man, there's, there's nothing that you, you kind of have to, have to do or you don't have to be good enough. You don't have to be righteous enough. You don't have to be, you know, like, oh, I hadn't sinned in, in the last seven hours or at least sinned that I can remember. So now I can come to Jesus. But, but there's nothing that you have to do to access him. The problem is, I think as believers, we treat Jesus like the dentist. And here's what I mean by that. And you're going to know this if you've been to the dentist lately. What did you do like right before you went to the dentist? You brushed your freaking teeth right before you went to the guy who was going to clean your teeth. Did I say that's what you know? You're supposed to do that for the orthodontist. You're going to go to the dentist. You're going to go to the dentist, and I did it too. Like, I was at work, and I had an appointment. I was like, oh, snap. Like, I didn't bring a toothbrush with me. I'm in the bathroom, like, doing the finger scrub. You best believe I ate about six mints before I left and then did the re-finger scrub. I was like, he's going to see the sugar. He's going to see it. You know, right? So, like, you go to the dentist, but before you do, you clean your teeth. That is, if some reason you are going to make the stains go away that he's going to see and then clean for you. That we treat Jesus just like the dentist. For you ladies, some of you treat Jesus just like you treat that lady at the, at the pedicure place. Right? You're like, oh, I'm about to get my nails done. Let me clean them first. Right? Like, no, you're about to get them cleaned. Like, why would you do that? I know a person that had like a, a maid come to their house, like had a lady come and clean their house. And every time she's like, I got a vacuum. I'm like, why are you vacuuming? Because the maid's coming. I don't want her to think less of me. And it's like, dude, she comes, you pay her to vacuum your house. But yet we all have these things where we say, no, 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 no. Before they see the real me, let me clean myself up a bit. And we do this with everything. Like, we even do this sometimes with our friends that were like, whoa, 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 before they can hang out with me, they've got to kind of match these requirements. Or, or before I, I really feel adequate to hang out with them, the popular kids, I've got to like dress right, I've got to speak right, I've got, I've got to, to act right. I was telling the sixth graders a couple Sundays ago that, or the, the middle school was really a couple Sundays ago that in sixth grade, I decided I was going to be a popular kid and I showed up to school and I was just like, yep, I cuss now. And I just started cussing. And this kid literally looked at me and he was like, whoa, you've changed. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you used to be all good and stuff. I was like, yeah. And he said, now you're cool. And I was like, beep, right? Like, yeah, I am. Like we do these things. We have these prerequisites. And the problem with culture, here's what you need to hear. 
There's a problem with what you believe about people and how you treat people and the problem of what you believe about your culture and how you treat your culture and, and, and how you think you need to be treated or how you gain respect is often we take that knowledge of, hey, here is what we believe about people, how we treat people, how we expect to be treated. And then here's Jesus. We set that on top of Jesus and we say, okay, this is how we're supposed to treat Jesus and how we expect to treat Jesus, uh, how Jesus, we expect Jesus to treat us in response to our actions. And what's awesome about God's word is it totally contradicts that. Right here. Is that it totally contradicts all of those things that we try to place on top of him. See, Jesus isn't like anyone else. The story in Matthew 8. Matthew 8, such a, such a cool um, story if you really know what's going on. Matthew 8, it says, A large crowd followed Jesus as, be, as he came down the mountainside. Jesus had just preached the sermon, Sermon on the Mount, and you can find that in Matthew 5. I've told y'all this a couple weeks ago. You can find that in Matthew 5 and, and 6, and, and he's talking about all these things of like, hey, if you're a Christian, here's some good tips to kind of live by. Here's some things that are a way to live pleasing to the Lord. And then in Matthew 8, he's coming down the mountainside. He's coming down the mountainside, and suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What you need to know about leprosy is leprosy is a flesh-eating disease. And... <laughs> And it was so bad in that day. And right now, um, armadillos, I don't know if you know this, uh, I'm from Texas and armadillo was a, was a state animal. I don't know why it's like the stupidest animal alive. It, okay, I love that you say that. They're also carriers of leprosy. Uh, so don't touch them. You'll catch it. So this man had leprosy. And in that time, there was no real cure for leprosy outside of a miracle. And what leprosy does is it, is it infiltrates your skin. It, it becomes a flesh-eating bacteria. And what you have to do then is you have to yell out, unclean, unclean, whenever anyone's around you that doesn't have leprosy. You have to live in a leper colony with just other people who are rotting. And you can't go into the regular population. They would not be allowed in this room. And if they're outside, we walk outside, they got to start yelling, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, don't touch me, don't come near me. It's a big deal. This dude was the most unclean of all unclean. And, and what is a great illustration um, is how leprosy looks a lot like sin. That if you go to Leviticus 13, that's in the very beginning of your Bible, you'll see kind of how, how sin will infiltrate every part of us. That it, it begins to come in and spread and deteriorate and even isolate us. That there are some of you in this room that have been dealing with a certain sin or a certain kind of sin, and you feel very isolated. Just like someone who was a leper who couldn't come near anyone else, you feel, and the lie that sin wants to tell you is that you're the only one that deals with it. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you. Eyes right here. Eyes right here. That you're the only one that has that sin. That you're the only one that struggles with that sin. That, that no one else deals with the way you do and no one else is as bad as you are. That you have it, no one else really knows what you're going through and you're isolated. 
And when you're isolated, you begin to deteriorate. It begins to eat you up inside. It begins to take every part of you. It begins to captivate your mind. It begins to captivate your heart. It begins to to make life look very dark. A lot like leprosy. So this man with leprosy, he comes and he sees Jesus coming down the mountain and, and against all law, against all rule, it says one word, he approached. He approached. He didn't wait for Jesus to call him. He didn't wait for someone else to, to say, hey, hey, here comes on clean guy. He didn't call out. No, he just straight walked up to Jesus and he asked one question. He says, Lord, if you are willing, then you can heal me and make me clean. He approached. He didn't wait. He just walked up to Jesus. He fought against the social norm. He fought against what what everything that he had been taught about his disease. And he trusted that Jesus was greater than whatever consequences could possibly come from him breaking these rules and these laws and these norms. This is what Jesus said. Go back one real quick. I just want to go back to that approach. Another thing about this word is it means he got up and he took initiative. I just want to hit that one more time. That he got up and he took initiative. He didn't sit back. He didn't wait for someone else. He didn't mope. Nobody got up and he took initiative. It says, and then Jesus reached out and touched him. Jesus being the only one in that area that could touch the man with leprosy and be sure that he did not also contract leprosy. He reaches out and he touches the man, taking the man's uncleanliness and giving him his cleanliness. He says, I am willing. Be healed and instantly the leprosy disappeared. I want you to know what he didn't say. He didn't say, I am willing if you pray right. I am willing if you promise to never think another bad thought. I am willing if you promise never to say another bad word. I'm willing if you promise to never cheat, to never lie. I am willing, but man, tell me about your last six months. How have you been living those last six months? I'm willing if... That our God is not the God of if or what if or maybes. Our God is the God who's going to give you a yes or he's going to give you a no. And when it comes to him healing his creation, it's always a yes. And I don't mean physically healing, I mean spiritually healing. That sometimes we have physical elements, we have physical things going on and we're like, God, please. And he says, no, man, I put those in you for a reason. I allowed that for a reason to be a testimony but God, it makes me weak. Yeah, but in your weakness, my strength is revealed. That God allows sometimes our physical ailments to be there to profess his glory. But when it comes to us walking to Jesus, dealing with things that are really on our heart, he's always yes. His answer is always, I am willing. The question is, are you approaching are you truly 
desiring to walk to Jesus? Have you been living as a man in a leprosy colony, unwilling to say, you know what, I don't care what norms say. I don't care what my, my friends are going to say or my relationships are going to, what, what's going to happen to those. I'm willing to walk to Jesus. <laughs> and then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Kind of interesting command. Jesus did, just did something awesome. Like it's the total opposite of us. Like we do something awesome and we're like, yo, did you get that on camera? Like, yo, send that to me. Let me post that on my feed. Like, let me snap that. Like, did you post that on yours? Like tag me in that. Like, I want everyone to know that I was awesome. And Jesus instead, it's kind of interesting. He says, uh, don't tell anyone, but instead, instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offerings required. If you go to uh, Leviticus 14, you go back into the back. Leviticus 14, it talks about all the offerings required when a man with leprosy is healed. It says, take along the offerings required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. It's so interesting, he says, instead, don't, don't go tell, but instead show. You know what is more powerful than me standing up on this stage telling you about Jesus? Is you living Jesus out there. Is you living a life, of, a life changed by Jesus to people who have never known or seen Jesus will affect way more people for the glory of God, will affect way more lives than me ever just standing right here. He says, go and do the bigger thing. Instead of just talking it, why don't you walk it? It says that this man's testimony, if you go to Mark 1, so this is Matthew, and there's four gospels. They talk about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They're four different dudes that write about their experience and how they view Jesus. Matthew is where we're in. Mark writes and records this happening. In Mark 1, verse 45, I think, it talks about Jesus not being able to go into the city because the man's testimony, not only did he show them, but he began to proclaim it with his mouth also, so his walk and his talk lined up. And when our walk and our talk are both aligned around Jesus, you understand that huge things happen that he begins to do a lot to us. And this man's testimony became so big in the town, Jesus couldn't even go in because he would be mobbed by people in a good way to the point where people began to leave the town to find Jesus and come to him. One man, one man. People were leaving their homes to find Jesus. One man, kind of amazing. He says, I want you to take along an offering and I want this to be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Let the priests see you, let them cleanse you. This is such a big deal. If you go back to Leviticus, what you see is that this man had to go shave his head, get cleansed with oil, get all sort like like wash his body, wash his clothes. And for them, that's like a big deal. They didn't bathe that often. And then seven days, not be able to go back into the tents in the area, shave his head again, plus his eyebrows, Sweet. Wash all of his clothes on the eighth day, get dipped in oil again, and then could go back in, not to mention with a bunch of sacrifice of animals and whatnot. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. But I love 
He says, man, let this be a public testimony. Here's what happens for those of you who have found Jesus. And Jesus has, has wiped away some big sins in your life. Here's what we want to do. And I'm the same because I, I, I lived terribly. Like I would leave you jaw dropped if I told you all that I did in high school. You'd probably also listen to never listen to another word because you'd be like, that guy's a terrible person. Because I did some awful things. And so what we want to do when we come to know Jesus is we want to say, great, Jesus saved me. I'm going to talk about Jesus. But no, 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 no. I'm never going to talk about how sick I was before Jesus healed me. No, no, that's shameful. I'm ashamed of that. I wanna, I'm, I'm done with that. No, no, I'm a good person. And this is why the church gets a bad name. Because a bunch of people who know they're sick and who know they're dealing with some big things, they come into church and instead of seeing people who were also once sick but have now been healed, who are also showing off the scars of leprosy but have been healed from the disease of leprosy, instead of seeing that, they see people who have makeup over their scars and are acting like they never had leprosy that they've never been lost and they've always been saved. And they see hypocrites. But instead, Jesus says, man, my call for you is not to be someone who gets your makeup out and wipes over the scars that Jesus saved you from. He says, instead, I want you to show the scars and I want you to tell them how close you were to dying. I want you to tell them how sick you really were and how far I came to save you. He says, man, I want your life to be a public testimony. I think his heart for the church is to be sick people coming in, being healed, and seeing those that were sick who are now healed. That's the church. That's his heart for you. That your life would be a public testimony. His life would be a, a public testimony. See, I love that thought that through his testimony, all those people came out. All those people came and began to search him out because they knew one thing that, that I think we need to understand, that those of you that are in here that you know, you're like, man, I am that leper. I have things that I'm so ashamed of. I have things that, that I don't know that I, from this point uh, in the past, I, I never thought or, 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 or would understand that Jesus would be okay with this. Which, you know, Jesus isn't okay with it, but but he's okay with you coming to him with it. He loves you too much to leave you where you are. There's those in here that you got that on your heart, you have it on your mind, you're like, man, this is what I'm dealing with, and, I, and I've never gone to Jesus because I've believed the lie that I've got to brush and clean before I can come to the one who says he's supposed to clean us so much better. I got to try to remove the surface stains so he can remove kind of the deeper stains. No, 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 no. The thing that these people understood when they began to search him out was simply two words that Jesus heals. That Jesus heals. That he is the one and the only one that can truly remove the stains on our hearts and the stains on our minds and the stains that we feel like we're carrying. That he's the one that turns the wounds into scars and doesn't let them continue to fester. 
What you need to understand tonight, if you've been carrying that around, if you've been keeping that from Jesus, is what you need to know is he says, man, I heal. Are you going to come to me? I already know what's going on in your life. I just need you to say, hey, Jesus, are you willing? Because I'm ready. He says, I'm waiting on you to approach. Are you willing to approach? Do you trust that he can heal? What a beautiful picture. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says this. So like a few chapters later, Jesus is talking. And he says, then Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. Take the life I have for you. Drop that old one. Drop the one that continues to cut you and cause you wounds. But instead, take my life. Live in me. He says, from my yoke. He says, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear. My burden I give you is light. Some of you need to hear that. That there's no stipulations in that. He says, come to me all. Come to me all of you who are weary. Come to me all of you who are dealing with things that are bigger than what you can handle. Come to me all of you who need hope and who need rest and who need peace. He says, man, and take my yoke and let me take your heavy burdens. Find healing in me. Find forgiveness in me. It isn't something you have to continue to carry around. It isn't something that you have to continue to live in shame. What it takes is you approaching the cross. You're saying, Jesus, I recognize what you did for me. It takes you taking initiative. Maybe getting out of your comfort zone. Maybe sacrificing some relationships that are leading you to continue to get wounded. You don't go to the cross. And for those of you that are in here and you, and you um, were once a leper and, and now you have been healed and you're figuring out what that looks like in your wounds, they may still have some scabs on them. They may still kind of be raw, but they're healing. And you see Jesus healing. And day by day, Jesus is beginning to turn you into a new person, no longer an isolated person, but a person of community and a person of faith and a person of hope and a person of love. And, and you're here and you're, you're growing in your walk. My question is, who can you be showing your life to? Who needs to see your public testimony? Who's the next person that you need to say, man, let me just tell you how sick I was. Not not let me brag about all the stupid things I did, which sometimes we do. But let me tell you how sick I was and how lost I was and how devastated I was. And let me tell you where Jesus has brought me. And let me show you. Let me show you through grace and through love. Let my, let my life be a public testimony to you. As school starts up, as you begin to get into new classes, as some of you have already started, who can you be showing your life to? Who can you be a public testimony to? We're going to pray, and I'm going to close this out. And so if you just bow your heads and close your eyes. For those of you in here that you feel like a leper, you got the things you've been carrying. You've never come to Jesus for salvation. You, you didn't know that he was the one that could heal your soul, that he was the one that could provide life, and you do tonight. 
man, I encourage you to seek one of us out. That you would, when we worship and, and people stand up and we move forward, that you would walk to the back. That you would stand up and you would walk to the back and you would meet us. And you just let us pray for you and pray with you. That it really doesn't matter. There's no surprises to the Lord. There's no one in here that God's going to see and say, man, yeah, you're too terrible. That there's no one in here that is outside receiving the grace and forgiveness and hope that comes through Jesus.